Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to our Labor Day edition of Attacking Third. We have a jam-packed show with all of the news and results from this past weekend. I'm your host, Jenny Chu, alongside Lisa Carlin, Christine Cupo, and Darian Jenkins. And ladies, Christine was a little bit busy, but we got to watch some U.S. Open, some women's playing tennis. It was amazing. What an incredible weekend to be able to watch it live, uh, to spend some time outside of work with you guys. Christine, of course, we missed you. But I was there in spirit. You were there in spirit. With, with each honeydew that you ordered, I promise you I was there. <laughs> we had a couple. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We definitely took the cups home, too. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah but they're just a staple. The power. In the serves, I, I was so impressed by live sports and like to see women be so fierce in front of us. I was in awe. We were I, we were all pretty. I know. I wish I wish my parents put me in tennis. Like, damn, I wish <laughs> Don't I, say I that to me. I mean, obviously, I'm happy we're Listen, soccer you're, team. You're, I love it. Talent went where it was supposed to go, Darian. Please. I'm like, oh, come on now. I could have done something. When did we turn into a, a tennis show, girl? Okay. So we're going to recap the latest news coming out of the world of women's soccer. We're going to start in Brazil, where Arthur Elias has been hired as Brazil's new head coach. Elias is the current Corinthians coach, and he will remain in charge of the club until the end of the season. He arrived at the club in 2016 and has won 14 trophies, including national and international accolades. And reportedly, Elias will coach Brazil at the 2024 Paris Olympics through to the 2027 Women's World Cup. We move stateside where Chicago Red Stars officially have a new ownership group. Laura Ricketts, who also owns the WNBA's Chicago Sky, led an investment group to purchase the NWSL franchise in an NWSL record sale of $60 million. And over the weekend, continuing in NWSL, they announced their August Team of the Month featuring rookies Gotham's FC's Jenna Nicewanger and Orlando Pride's Messiah Bright. Messiah Bright is also the first ever player to win Rookie of the Month and Player of the Month in the same month. She deserves her flowers, Christine. A thousand percent. She is possibly one of the most seamless transition to pros that I remember seeing in recent memory. She, most of her goals scored from within the box. She's what, five all in, maybe all, eight across all competitions now. Just all gas, no breaks. And I just <laughs> love that she has that extra sass and bite to her where, mm -hmm. you know, her last little quote was, you know, 
she scored her, finally scored her brace, and she, you know, I was actually going for a hattie, so there's that. A little flex. <laughs> yeah. A little flex. Jenny, you kind of wore the purple pants to go with uh, Orlando today. Ooh, like now it. that you point that out, now that you point that out, we did have Messiah Bride on the show, and we're rooting for her as she continues her reign of, uh, terror? of the league. As yeah. she continues, <laughs> yes, exactly. The reign of terror is exactly the way to put it. Lisa, incredible player. Yeah, I think this team overall, the team of the month, is really collective of the NWSL right now. There's mm -hmm. three players from Orlando, three players from Kansas City, and these are bottom table teams. So it goes to show what that extra push is giving at the end of this regular season. There's only four match days left, and all of these players individually are coming together, really stepping up. I want to give a special shout out to San Diego defender Abby Dahlkamper because she made this Ooh. team of the month after her goal, her first goal back after her back injury, and her first mm -hmm. goal since 2016, and she gets the accolades. It, I mean, it's impressive to see. I cannot believe that there are only a couple match days left. But overall, I mean, A.D. French as well in goal. She had a rock star of a month earning that starting spot. It was being swapped for Kansas City between Cassie Miller and A.D. French. And French has dominated between the sticks, and she's earned that role. We see Sam Coffey and Morgan Weaver from Portland Thorns on there as well. We have talked about Morgan Weaver and her potential replacement there uh, with Sophia Smith coming out and, and how well she represented Portland during uh, the World Cup when Sophia Smith was gone. Yeah, she did a great job, and she has truly stepped up, and she will continue to step up um, in the play that Portland has throughout this, the next month and the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a lot of players on there that hopefully we can get on the show. Lola Bonta, anyone yes. say that? Yes, all in, all in favor. Let's make the call. <laughs> I've missed out on Lola Bonta's Sellies this year. She got her first goal in this month. That's what put her on this August best 11, and that's going to be the catalyst for Kansas City to continue to score goals, climb up mm -hmm. the table, because right now they sit at the bottom, but they are not out. They're down, but they are not out. The way the table stands, any single team can still make the playoffs. That's sure. what's so it's fun about the NWSL is that week to week, you never know what's going to change, and it's always so close. Teams can switch from eighth to third by just a matter of a couple of points. So these last four games are really going to matter, and it's going to be really exciting if this weekend told us anything. Exactly yep. that. The competition's been so, so tight that mm -hmm. it kind of feels like what we're seeing, especially with, you know, the recent players that are popping up on this ideal, you know, starting 11, mm -hmm. is that there are a lot of the teams that are, like, you know, heels to flame at this point in this playoff race. Mm -hmm. Heels to flame. What was the other one you used earlier today? Are you... What did I you don't say? know, I'm just riffing all, today. All <laughs> gas, no brakes. I got to keep up with Christine today. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to continue to talk about NWSL later on in the show. We have a couple more segments on that. But right now, let's move over to Chelsea against AS Roma. They played a friendly. Check out these goals. It was incredible. Jenny, there were four goals in the first half between both of these sides. AS Roma, they take the lead. Chelsea comes back to equalize. AS Roma again takes the lead. And then a, a stunner from Lauren James kisses off the crossbar and finds the back of the net. She has not skipped a beat since being at the World Cup with England despite missing a couple of those games. She is hitting perfect form with Chelsea right now. And we got to see the return of Fran Kirby. The first time she was back on the pitch since her injury in February. And she gets the opening goal for Chelsea. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think that ball was going. I'm going to be honest. That little ping, that graze. I was yeah. like, mm, ricochet, oh, right ricochet. off the top of the, yep, perfect chip. Yeah, no, everybody was on their feet screaming in that. Where we're not. I was, yeah. it was beautiful. <laughs> um, this Roma side, I am super high on despite being a Juventina. They are 
at least half of the Italy national team for the women. Yeah. And they obviously came back with a fighting spirit, a bit of redemption for them in regular season. Uh, one of my favorite players for Roma, Giacinti, responsible for one of those goals. A great goal, I think, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. Under, underselling at this point, right? I'm like, tell me more. How good was that goal? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what that Roma side end up doing this season because they are back with a vengeance. Yeah, it was a good start for both teams. And I think this Chelsea squad picked up exactly where they left off, like you said, Lisa. And Lauren James not missing a beat, coming out with, again, another textured goal that we don't see that often. She has both feet. She curls. She drives. She has that little chip that's perfect. Um, and it's, it's good to see her back out on the pitch. And I think especially it being this early into the season and we're seeing all of these goals that are just incredible and such skill and these teams are vibing together. Oh. Everyone needs to tune in and watch these games. It's, it's just the beginning. It was just a little snack. I want the whole meal right? at the Super League. <laughs> I like that. You, like you want that the one? whole meal? I was like trying to catch it. Today. Make sure I caught it here. Um, if you want the whole meal, you can tune in to the Barclays Women's Super League on our air. The season kicks off on October 1st. Uh, next, we're going to talk about the sale. Chicago Red Stars sale to uh, Laura Ricketts and our very own Sandra Herrera is going to help us break down all that's happening there. You're not going to want to miss it. We are just getting started here on Attacking Third. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast welcome back to attacking third over the weekend the sale of the chicago red stars was finalized and our cbs sports reporter sandra herrera is here with all of the details on this milestone sale sandra i know that there are a ton of details to break down here please give it to us it's a long time coming, and I think finally that is sort of the general feeling and sources that I've spoke to over the course of this nearly year-long deal now, finally finalized, and that is what everyone's feeling that it's gone through. And now that actual next step for the new era of Chicago Red Stars can actually begin. I had the honor of speaking with new owner Laura Ricketts ahead of this deal being finalized across uh, the NWSL Board of Governors. And, and that's really what it took. It was nearly a year long process. And ultimately, 
uh, like many folks taking a look at the league over the course of the last two years, uh, the human interest angle was there for Laura Ricketts first after the Red Stars, their former head coach, Rory Dames, and their now former owner, Arnim Whistler, were named in multiple reports across national outlets and later uh, impl uh, implicated in commissioned investigative reports by U.S. Soccer, the joint team investigation between NWSL and NWSL Players Association, where uh, extensive examples of, of widespread harassment, uh, abuse, toxic cultures were ultimately left unchecked and the players paying the price along the way. And when those uh, full investigative reports were released, the Chicago Red Stars penned a letter, an open letter, calling on the removal of Whistler moving forward, the asking the Chicago Red Stars Board of Governors to, to get involved. And that is where Laura Ricketts sort of piqued her interest. The, the fact that there was so many negative headlines around this franchise. She, she told me this is something that should just not be happening across the board in the league, let alone for this specific franchise. But that ultimately led to conversations with her wife, with her family members to talk about, uh, projects and passions that she is going to pursue on her, on her own moving forward. And it also included uh, cultivating and, in, and vetting her own uh, group of investors and um, formulating this group really to just sort of push forward and try to pursue this sale. So what's taken the course of, of over a year has finally got pushed across the, the, the finish line and, and Ricketts and company are, are really just ready to get in there and do work. It is about time, Sandra, as you mentioned. Finally, the sale has gone through, and Laura Ricketts is part of a female-led, diverse group of investors that aim to represent not only the Red Stars, but the city of Chicago overall. In speaking with Ricketts, what did you learn about her plans for this team and, and the first steps that she's hoping to take with this club? Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest one and most immediate and most important in her eyes and the investors' eyes was to make sure that they got in and had a conversation with the players first. When I asked her, what's what's the first thing you want to do when this deal gets finalized? And she said, I want to speak to the players. We want there to be a, a quick introduction uh, to sort of get to know each other, let them know that things will be different. She said, and a quote that we had out in the piece that the players deserve better and that they are going to get it with this new ownership group. And looking across into the near future, there are things like immediate resources that need to be put into their current infrastructure for this team in terms of their where they are able to train, what that looks like, the general land, real estate landscape of Chicago for potential uh, soccer facilities and what that looks like. But right now, in the immediate sense and in the infrastructure that exists, they want to make sure that they have the money going into current soccer operations. So player first, they want to re-engage in what it looks like to run an actual day-to-day -day match week for a major sports franchise. And they also really want to reconnect with the fans. I think that was one of the biggest takeaways in speaking with her, that she understands that there has been a difficult disconnect for a large number of really invested, kind of those hardcore day one type of fans that found it difficult to support a team in light of the current, the previous ownership in place with all of the headlines around the team and finding it difficult to kind of have that uh, connection and, and support of the team. So they actually are also really in encouraged to try to get out there and make sure that they reconnect with those fans as well. And I thought it was pretty telling in that once this deal got across the line, Ricketts and her wife were already 
at the game in D.C. to sort of root on the team and introduce themselves. And there was also a letter that was immediately penned to fans to say, hey, we're, we're here and we're in this with you and want to make this better as well along the way. Well, Sandra, you talked about those financial details. I just want to make sure that we have that breakdown. You talked about that immediate investment into the team. When we talk about that $60 million number, I know that there is a breakdown there of what they're immediately investing into the team and what is the sale of the team. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so it comes out to a big round figure of, of $60 million with the 35.5 to go towards uh, previous ownership ultimately to close with 25.5 towards immediate investment in the team. So it's a... Uh, We've got a valuation going on here for this team. That's a big word that a lot of folks like in NWSL in terms of the valuations of their clubs moving forward. I thought it was a unique uh, way to sort of look at this because you're talking about clubs who are existing clubs who are navigating a sale of their franchise versus these expansion bids that we're taking a look at moving forward. So we've got a couple teams coming into this season next year as pure expansion, natural expansion bids uh, going through their processes. And now we've got a handful of clubs that have to go through a sale as an existing club. Chicago Red Stars are the first of those. I know folks are taking a look at Portland and saying what's going to come next for them. OL Group also saying that they are looking to sell for OL Reign. They're going to get new ownership eventually. What is that going to look like? What is that round number? What is that round figure going to look like? So that 35.5 sets a new record for an existing franchise. Uh, Kang and the Spirits setting that initially at 35 million. This uh, getting across the board with just that extra 0.5. But I think to sort of have that extra amount of money tacked on to this overall deal at close was just to make sure that there was a nice big round figure. Uh, to point to when an existing franchise officially gets sold. Sandra, that figure sounds pretty nice to me. I'm happy to see it. It's about time. Do you think that this resurgence with Ricketts and her coming and speaking to the team kind of gave them a little bit more energy coming into this weekend? We just saw them come off of a 2-0 win against the Washington Spirit. It absolutely does something. And I think, you look, Darian, there's probably no one better than you to kind of even speak to what that could do for a team after having to navigate a season as long as you do with so many things that are out of your control. Mm -hmm. And then now you finally get this moment where you can say, okay, maybe it's almost like a little bit of breath of fresh air where you actually can go out there on the pitch and say, I just have to go out there and focus on me, focus on the team, focus on our performances. I think you saw that in the performance against the spirit. It's funny to see all this kind of come to light and uh, take place over the course of a, a week 17, week 18 fixtures taking place. This, these players were already in D.C. when this deal got finalized. So to sort of absorb and receive that news alongside so many of the general public, I think, is kind of a, a little bit of a you know, a moment for, for players to say it jolts you a little bit when you're already on the road. And we, we got to see, I think, a pretty telling and inspiring performance uh, from this team going up against a spirit side that are playoff contenders and kind of going in on the road into their facilities and uh, walking away with all three points. I think you could sort of see that immediate boost and what it does for a team and for a player and where they could just sort of focus on their role moving forward and not have to kind of deal with all of the noise that is following the franchise at this point. Sandra, I think we can all agree that 60 million demonstrates a remarkable amount of commitment to this team. You're not going in this willy-nilly dropping a bag of that size. But I'm curious to know from you, 
for Laura Ricketts, what do you think that she brings that we haven't seen from any of the other ownership groups or owners individually across NWSL, or what you think we could see out of her that could be a bit different? Yeah, I think to answer both of those questions, I think we're going to see the experience and um, not just a business person with the financial bankroll, but we're talking about someone who is coming into the league that has specific experience in running and managing and navigating a major professional sports team in a major sports market. I think that is one of the biggest key differences that Laura is bringing into this league. I think we're slowly but surely really moving past the days of um, individual wealthy men with money and hobbies investing into this league. And we're moving past that and looking for ownership groups with renewed perspective and the financial backing and bankroll to come into the NWSL and push this league forward into an era where they want to be, not just in an era of let's keep sustaining what is already in existence. You want to build, but you want to build bigger and better. And I think that is what the league is going to be getting with Laura Ricketts and all of the new business women and civic leaders coming in with deep Chicago ties. Sandra Louder, I love that you hit on that note that was, you know, it's been largely a hobby, a an investment, not necessarily a passionate pursuit. And I think that that right there, uh, remarkable. Clip that. Yeah. Have yeah. that in the loop. I love it. Yeah. More women with money, not all these wealthy men. But Sandra, I want to know from you, you're our boots in the ground in Chicago. You've got the inside look at what's happening on the streets. The Ricketts family owns the WNBA Chicago team. They also own the MLB, the Cubs. What are people saying in Chicago about this new ownership, the other people in the NWSL, people in Chicago that are directly affected by this, like yourself, who go to the, te go to the games and cover this team? The Ricketts are at it again, right? No, but I think it's I think it's an interesting note to to sort of point out within this deal that it's it's Laura Ricketts uh, specifically within this. Um, everyone heard about I think the the Ricketts family maybe in the soccer global market when the actual Ricketts family were trying to make a bid or two for Chelsea back in the day, but that did not pan out. And now we have Laura Ricketts specifically trying to make sure that she is within the realm of, of women's sports, something that she's very, very passionate about and has spoken on multiple times that you mentioned the the owner, the investorship that she has with the WNBA and the Chicago Sky. And I think for right now, I, when we all first got wind of this deal, I think I addressed this with a, an aura of cautious optimism. And I think that that's still there right now on the ground, but it is still very refreshing. Like I said at the, at the top of the segment, there is definitely an aura of finally a little bit of a sense of relief as well to kind of be able to look ahead truly for the first time. There's been these like brief resets for this franchise saying like, oh, we're looking ahead and we're going to rebuild. But you actually can't do that until you cut out all of the actual rot, right? So now I think this is that opportunity and that moment that they had long been waiting for. This is actually going to be the start of year zero moving forward for this franchise. Sandra, thank you so much for joining us. I had a little bit of a, a joke in my head when you when you said that because uh, we talked about that hobby aspect. Um, I met a man at a at a panel who was like, "Oh yeah, I've invested in soccer," and then he couldn't tell me the team name. He was like, "I don't remember. I've invested in soccer though," and I was like. 
Okay, you clearly care about the club. <laughs> yep. um, but all right, thank you so much for joining us as always. We're going to have more NWSL coming up after the break as we take a look back at this weekend's NWSL action, including the insane 3-3 three -three match between the North Carolina Courage and Gotham. Stay with us. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. Over the weekend, more news broke regarding Luis Rubiales and his future. We'll get into that in just a second. But first, let's take a look back at the timeline of events since Spain won their first ever Women's World Cup. At the Women's World Cup trophy ceremony, Spain Federation President Luis Rubiales gave Jenny Hermoso an unwanted kiss. The next day, he issued an apology amid mounting pressure. FIFA then opened a disciplinary hearing against Rubiales. The Federation president refused to step down. Spanish players declared that they would not return to the national team until Rubiales was removed. Hermoso broke her silence, confirming that the kiss was not consensual. FIFA then provisionally suspended Rubiales as the Federation released and deleted a statement calling Hermoso a liar and threatening legal action. Rubiales' mother then went on a hunger strike as Spanish prosecutors opened an investigation for sexual assault. Finally, this past Friday, the Spanish Court of Arbitration ruled that the government could not suspend Rubiales. For more on this, we welcome in our CBS Sports reporter and Spanish insider, Guillem Balaguer. Guillem, we have seen Rubiales state that he has done nothing wrong, that this is a, quote, media lynching. And now the Court of Arbitration has said that his offense is not severe enough for the Spanish government to suspend him. Can you talk us through that decision? It's so uh, difficult to explain it. You have to go into technicalities. Basically, the Administrative Tribunal for Sport had had to use a law, the law that uh, it's in the realms to use, which is one that was written in 1990, because the one that was approved in 2022 that would have reflected the behavior of Rubiales as very serious, and it would have allowed the government to suspend him, basically is not fully motion. So in the law of 1990, it says that his behavior is just serious. And that means that there will be now an investigation. But it stops, as you say, the government taking the decision to move him aside. And it limits, really, the, um, the power of the government, <laughs> of the whole government, to actually do something about it. So um, we may get into uh, what other ways we can get rid of Rubiales, but uh, the one that everybody's hoping it works is the one from FIFA, who, of course, has suspended it for three months. And everybody hopes that in that period, he gets investigated and found out that he's completely out of um, any kind of reality world that he was wrong and as such that he will have to be punished. We'll have to see. Yeah, Guillaume, the craziest thing is he doesn't even think he did anything wrong. However, you opened that door. You said we're going to get into it. I want to dive right into it. How does he get out of office? What needs to happen? The, uh, there is a civil court, uh, the state prosecutor, who has started uh, basically investigating him, but needs Jenny Hermoso to come out and back his statements and, uh, and et cetera, and a procedure that will take months. That's one way. The other way is what we say in FIFA. 
there is another way uh, that we were all hoping that could something could go in that direction, which is the Federation itself to take steps and create a vote of no confidence against Rubiales. But the Federation have not taken that step. All they said is, we would like you to resign. Come on, please, resign. And that doesn't go any far because, of course, he will not resign. Remember that the new, uh, the temporary president of the Federation right now was imposed by Rubiales. So, and was chosen originally by Rubiales to be part of the Federation. So the, the system is, is rotten. Uh, but you said something key uh, that goes into the ethical and the moral part of this. You said that he doesn't feel he's done anything wrong. I'll tell you more. He has described himself as a victim. And the four of you and many other women out there, how many times have you heard that whatever you com complain uh, you put forward for something that has happened to you, the man who is responsible for it feels guilt, sorry, feels the victim of a lynching. He is another example of that. And sadly, right now, there is no way, not immediate way to get rid of him, even though quite clearly Spanish society and the government and the opposition, everybody wants him out. It's really pulling back the curtain of how rotten it is from the inside out, from the top down. Uh, we recently saw that FIFPRO released a statement, the governing body of FIFA in support of the players, saying, quote, that the system has failed us. Guillaume, you just alluded to that, how the system has failed it. But what does it tell us that FIFPRO is saying that, putting that out there publicly about the system? We are moaning a little bit here that things should have gone faster, that he should be out. But you know what? We've seen one of the most crucial weeks of Spanish football and Spanish society because of this. Because all of a sudden, and it shouldn't have been the players, but it is the players who are actually leading this revolution in Spanish football. Hopefully something that will destroy the systemic discrimination that is against women in that uh, system. If you look at the decision makers, for instance, the uh, heads of the local federations, they're all men. All of them. No one isn't. So... They basically, the, the, the players, the, the women, have been saying for a while, nobody understands what we are moaning about, so we just get on with it. It's like when Jenny Hermoso gets the kiss, and again, like many other women, would have been like, what can I do? This is not wanted. This is not consensual. Mm -hmm. But what can I do? And you laugh it off a little bit until you realize the seriousness of it. And you realize that there is a society, there's a social wave in your favor, like Jenny has, in which case it's like, oh, really? Well, I'll tell you how it felt to me. Non-consensual and abuse of power. And now we just need to, to put it in uh, to the courts and hoping that uh, that they actually give her the, 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 the say that she's right. The problem, as you say, is that the system, especially sports system, it's uh, right now run by men who think like men and who don't have the, the bigger picture that uh, that Spanish society has been saying is pointing out quite clearly to discrimination of women. Guillaume, you point that out, that it's it's bigger than just the situation, right? That now it has pointed out these societal problems. That's something that Aitana Bormati pointed out in her speech when she's receiving her award. She's saying that, you know, this is for anybody in, in a workplace or, or women in a workplace that have gone through similar situations. She's saying this is not just Jenny Hermoso. This is bigger than that and, and kind of sending a message. So how wonderful is it for you to also point out that it is bigger and the, the movements and the progress that we can make here go beyond just Jenny Hermoso? I think you are as an optimistic 
woman as I am, uh, optimistic as well. And I think that things will turn for the better. But this battle will not just finish today or will not just finish with getting rid of Rubiales. Quite clearly, uh, when the 81 uh, female players have decided not to join the national side, they're not saying when Rubiales is out. They're saying when the decision makers are out. Because there's been so many cases throughout the years of uh, things that are not right, uh, of behavior towards women from the coaches, of how the complaints of the women were not taken seriously by by the men in charge, by the federation, how they never felt protected. But you look at these pictures and you look finally, by the way, at the male players back in January. So it took a while. And we heard today the latest uh, statement on that direction from the uh, from the national side, the male national side, who, of course, have criticized Rubiales and have pointed out that this behavior is unacceptable. Well, finally, everybody's coming in this, into the same conclusion and they coming forward with it as well. Started all with uh, with a Betis player, uh, Borja Iglesias, saying, I will not join the national side unless things change. Now we're getting more people saying that. So I do think that this will produce a change. But, you know, the systems, they, they, the rotten systems especially, so difficult to move in the right direction. If even a government cannot make this happen quickly, what's the hope? The hope is, of course, that when the law of 2022 comes in practice and everybody basically takes decision based on that, there are a lot of um, progressive uh, laws and rules uh, towards or against discrimination. Because let me tell you something, Jenny, basically this, this society, Spanish society is feminist. It is. Things, uh, the, the law is one of the most progressive in Europe. Things are going in the right direction. But sometimes uh, there are, you know, things that have to be moved by everyone because they, they don't want to change, like the case of Rubiales and the Spanish Federation. Guillaume, you're talking about the men's national team captains coming out and speaking out. Can you just, since you already mentioned it, give me the importance of that solidarity of them coming out and speaking because it's something that, like you said, finally happened. But what does that do for this societal aspect for other men to see the players that they look up to take a stance? About time that they said it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it should have been day one. It should have been day one. They, they, uh, they all know. They, they, they mix uh, with the with the kid manufacturers or with the sponsors. They mix with these players, and I'm sure conversations must have taken place uh, in which you know they must have heard how badly they were treated. Really, well, uh, the Pelicuetas, the Moratas, basically the whole national side have come out with a statement today that says this is this is not right. And first of all, they said uh, it the the win. The World Cup win. Let's not forget it because it's going to change a lot of things and girls in the streets will want to play football, more of them, because of this win. But secondly, the behaviour of Rubiales is completely unacceptable. And for Rubiales to hear all these, to have players that don't want to join the national side, uh, others that uh, are actually telling him this is wrong, and for, for him to still um, claim that there is a wrong feminism, that uh, using his these daughters to actually say they are the right feminists. What, what is he talking about, right and wrong? Divide and conquer, isn't it? And of course, he's done nothing wrong and he is the victim. It was so, and I just couldn't get it in my, into my head what he was saying. Uh, first, in front of the assembly, who of course were hitchhack because he went, they went there thinking he was going to, he was saying goodbye. Uh, and so everybody was clapping because they had to, because they, he's the boss. Uh, they didn't have to, but of course they felt they had to. 
And then we kept listening to all the rubbish that he was coming up with. And when he felt that the uh, Administrative uh, Tribunal of Sport uh, came out with the idea that it's a serious offence, he went like, I'm the victim. By the way, you, you've been accused of a serious offence, so do not show off. Just shut up. And yes, defend yourself. <laughs> you've got in the right of do that. But you are so wrong. Guillaume, you pointed to a lot of things, chiefly that, you know, culture changes, but it does change slowly. And you're slowly seeing that Trickle, trickle into sort of government, other laws. This is certainly setting a new precedent and will require, I guess, a reexamination of the way that the laws were written in the 90s. But where do we go from here, right? This, the situation's undeniably spiraled in ways that I could not have imagined. What's the path forward look like? Yeah, it's parallel to a, to a place where, yeah, we didn't think it could happen just after winning the World Cup, but great it ha that it has happened. The law is there. 2022. But they had to go through a series of phases before you actually can apply it into the federations. That's the number one thing. And it's, it's emotion. It will happen. Uh, to change the federation will not be easy because it has to be changed from the inside. Remember, the federation is seen, uh, for the judicial reasons, is seen as a private institution with, yes, uh, public interest and public money. To change that, it has to ha have happen from the inside. And to be honest, Pedro Rocha, the president of the new, the temporary president of the federation, was saying this is the beginning of a new era. He was saying, but meanwhile, we're not seeing a vote of confidence. Meanwhile, we don't see anything changing. In fact, the uh, the, the, the the legal advice of Rubiales still there. The secretary of the federation brought in by Rubiales, still there. We're starting to hear a lot of things that he, Rubiales has done. People that used to run failed companies are actually having big jobs because in the Federation because they are friends of his. So he's created this, um, I don't know how to call it, this, this kingdom in which he's the king. And of course, they're not going to be a revolution from inside. So that one, it won't be easy. And things will take time. But hopefully, we're going into the right, right direction. Guillaume, thank you so much. We agree. We, we hopefully are going in the right direction, and conversation does take us places where we are forcing change. So thank you so much for your insight, as always, friend. My pleasure. When we come back, we're going to review the international coaching situation, who's out, who's in, and what the future holds with the Olympic teams this summer. You're not going to want to go anywhere. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The push for NWSL playoffs is on, and this weekend's matches featured some top-of-the-table clashes and drama from red cards to crazy comebacks. It was an absolutely exciting weekend. Let's kick off with the best game thus far, though, because it was a six-game thriller. Darian, take us through North Carolina against Gotham. Oh, I kept us on our toes the entire <laughs> game. You never knew what was going to happen. Six goals in total, 3-3. Three, three. Here, the courage really started off the first half and put Gotham on the back burner with this amazing finish, great build up play. Caroline involved in yet another goal. And here she is getting in front of the defender and just curls it right around Gotham's goalkeeper. And then here we have in the 64th minute, 
a penalty. Some would say a little controversial. Couldn't tell who was being tugged by who. And the rookie, Jenna Nicewanger, with the finish. And then Gotham, here we go. Or Sorry, we have one more courage goal with this amazing finish. Another curler, back post. Not much the goalkeeper can do there. And then in the 73rd minute, we have this great, great volley by Spanish player Maytani, who then gets the Gotham back on the scoreboard and tries to equalize it up. And great ball by Kristen Edmonds, touched by Lynn Williams. And welcome back, Midge Purse from <laughs> Inley with a goal. I think the best game of the weekend. It was crazy. I mean, Had no clue what was going to happen. And Gotham's lucky to come out with a point from that because they started the game super slow. The courage were on fire. Caroline carried the courage throughout this game. She was involved in basically every single goal and had one for herself. And she's been the glue for this North Carolina team, I think, for this season, especially with how many changes they've had from year to year. She's consistently still brought that edge that North Carolina's always had, and it's always come through her, as you can see from the results. Yeah, when Caroline was on the right side, every single attack for the Courage was down that right side. Mm -hmm. You gave a shout-out to Midge Purse. I don't know if anyone listened to her interview post-game, but they asked her about the play because the ball falls <laughs> to Lynn Williams centrally, and Lynn Williams takes the, a hefty touch, and Midge was like, I just took it from Lynn, and I wanted to score. <laughs> hey, we love it, Midge. Keep going for it. We also got to see the Spanish international, Esther mm -hmm. Gonzalez. We weren't expecting to see her for Gotham until mid-September. She gets into this match. She hits a bullet Ooh. of a shot off the crossbar. Uh, there was a couple of post shots in this yeah. game. It was a complete thriller. I mean, six goals. How could it not Listen, be? Listen, subjectively, I love Midge. Objectively, she's such a talented dribbler. Late match when she just managed to get that ball just beyond the half and just carried it herself, oh, yeah. dribbling through players like they're cones. Quite frankly, if I'm trying to defend her, I'm saying I paid her to just go around me because that's embarrassing, okay? She carried it nearly to the goal mouth and then just laid it off. Unfortunately, did not convert into a goal, but, like, beautiful work mm -hmm. on her part. It's lovely to watch her play. Oh, amazing. You, you know I'm a big Mitch Purse fan. Um, Caroline, though, absolutely that's outstanding. So I mean, that's someone who was kind of following the lead of Dabinia last season and now just taking off, just absolutely taking off. Uh, Lisa, let's go through Louisville and Portland Thorns. Yeah, this one also a thriller in my mind because – Louisville heading into this match had never beaten Portland before. Here comes Morgan Weaver. She puts pressure on Lund, the goalkeeper. She still has two defenders that she has to get around. She's at the top of the box. So, yes, yeah, she's beat the goalkeeper, but it's still skill to score in those moments. It's the opening six minutes of the match. Louisville continued to fight. 60th minute off a corner kick. Abby Urseg center back captain. She rises above everyone and gets the header. Just four minutes later, another corner kick opportunity, and Louisville ends up getting the go-ahead goal. It was uh, beautiful. Tembikat Lana, the South African international, we all watched and goo goo ga mm -hmm. over during the World Cup. This match was packed with yeah. everything. The first 10 minutes, it was back and forth. Louisville had opportunities. In the opening four minutes, Louisville had two off the crossbar. Two off the crossbar. <laughs> it was incredible. They ended the first half with 18 shots. There was so much pressure from Louisville. And against the green and the run of play, Morgan Weaver ends up getting that opening goal for Portland. And you thought, well, this is just going to be it for Portland. But Louisville did not give up at all. And they end up coming back into it. And they get their first win over the Thorns ever. Ever. Crazy. First win Anything ever. can happen in this league. Anything can happen. <laughs> the That's depth why we that love they the have is wild, right? Because Morgan Weaver, in not definitely not a one-to-one -one for Soph, but – Come on, like, 
they could pivot to any number of options at that point and still have played as well. Yeah, Morgan Weaver has stepped up. She has been a consistent factor. Darian, you and I talked about that last yeah. week on the show that Weaver was one of the players that did have to continue to step up. Over the last 13 games, Morgan Weaver has contributed to 10 goals. Mm -hmm. Assists, goals, whatever they may be, she's creating chances for this team. And even just in the counter press, as we saw in that match against Louisville. Yeah, she's definitely showed her maturity as a player too. And you watch that clip of her scoring. She could have taken the shot earlier. As soon as she gets Pax Lund, she has the wherewithal to take a look around, take another touch, and execute and finish cleanly. Whereas, you know, a younger player or maybe less experienced maybe would have tried to just get it off their foot quickly and then we may not have known what have happened. But she's grown into such an amazing player in this league. It's exciting to watch her. I argue that a year ago, Morgan Weaver would have picked it off the I goalkeeper, agree. shot it, and missed it, been blocked by a I goalkeeper. Was just I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 100%. To see the evolution of attacking players in Portland has been interesting. That includes Morgan Weaver, Sophia Smith. Like They have definitely developed there, and their finishing mm -hmm. abilities have improved under that system. And Kupo, take us through San Diego Wave against Houston Dash. Okay, I would argue this ended up being the least likely of the spicy games. Again, <laughs> another dog so match. My mantra wizard, Alozier, sent off early. Uh, so we had a San Diego Wave side playing against a 10-person Houston, which got very interesting very fast. Although Houston managed to hold them until about the 56th minute when we got a goal from Jaden Shaw, which was also just the movement on that goal where she does a little faint pullback goal, just remarkable, beautiful. We had everything in this match. Then we also had a debut on Houston for uh, Andresa Alves, who is a former Roma player, uh, one of their primary goal scorers, absolutely electric baller. Excited to see what she does for Houston. Um, very left-footed. I think she had like 26 goals for Roma over like 70 appearances. She also had played for the Barca uh, women's side. Uh, funny enough, she started off for Roma as a wide forward. And so Ooh, just oh, a nod to her versatility. Yeah. You can literally put her anywhere, preferably on that left side, and she will just go. So uh, for me, that was my personal note of excitement for that match. But uh, Again, plus, all things said, yeah. I know, I'm Cooper, sorry, everybody. But, um, <laughs> 30-plus shots taken by that wave side, so I think like mm -hmm. six at some point against Houston, which is, Insane. I mean, granted, they're playing with 10 players the entire match, largely, but Houston managed to hold them pretty well, yeah. you know, very compact uh, defensively, and the second that they'd get back into possession, just go, go, go. So uh, put up a heck of a fight. Very. I have to give a shout-out. Jaden Shaw talked mm -hmm. about her last Friday. Came in with a goal. Another player showing her maturity and mm -hmm. what a force to be reckoned with she is in this league. I think a younger player, again, she's only 18, would have taken that shot and maybe ricocheted off of Jane Campbell, who had a heck of a game. Pause. She had the wherewithal to pause, cut with the outside of her right, and just play it in. So happy Alex Morgan didn't touch that in danger. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you I know what? Nervous. Right, like the potential for the offside yeah. there. But also, she was sitting at that back post waiting. Yeah. Like the composure that Jaden Shaw had, yeah. though. In the, I mean, she had two balls go off the post, mm -hmm. which was just like, uh, yeah. what kind? Somebody burned sage. I don't know. But Jaden <laughs> Shaw, like that. I ran it back at least three times because I, I was too. like, did she actually step? No, she just fainted that and just. Yeah. So smart. Body fake. Mm -hmm. Love it. Um, so that's NWSL 
League action. Now we move over to the Challenge Cup where the semifinals are on Wednesday. Lisa Owell reign against Louisville. Casey Current against North Carolina Courage. Just give me a quick, why should we watch this? Uh, you have to watch Louisville. They went throughout the Challenge Cup. Um, just an incredible run without so many of their international players. Uh, Owell reign and Louisville, both without so many of their internationals during the World Cup. And they both won their group and they've made it this far. This is a, a really good battle between these two sides because of how they've played in regular season, but it's very different in the Challenge Cup. There's money on the line. They don't have regular season games. It's a Wednesday to a weekend turnaround for these sides. I like this and I feel Louisville going through. Oof. I know we're going to talk more about it on Wednesday, we will, but we will, I'm just we will. putting that out there. But we love that the money is on the line. Uh, next up, Guillaume Balaguer joins us to discuss the latest news from Spain regarding Rubiales. Stay tuned. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. As with the close of every major tournament, there have been a number of national team coaching departures, including Brazil, who have also hired Arthur Elias to replace Pia Sunhaga. There are now eight coaching vacancies after the World Cup. Ladies, I want to get your take on if you were a coach, what, which of these eight countries you would want to coach? Darian. I'm going to do Brazil or Costa Rica. I would love to coach both of those teams. They're cohesive. There's young talent. It's an exciting place to go, and I would also love to live in both of those places. Yeah. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Christine, where are you going? Where do you think I'm going? The United States? Italy! Oh, yes. that's a good Come one. On. She's sorry, actually sorry. Italy. I just have to get Big Chi on my side, so there's a little <laughs> bit more backing here. But they have a good mixture of extremely uh, talented, very, very senior players. So we have like the Girellis, uh, the Carusos, the Lenzinis, and then you have the young kids coming up. So you have Giulia Dragoni, Chiara Beccari. That's a 16- and 18-year-olds who I think will be probably paving the way forward. So I would be... It, really excited to just send. I mean, it's I, fine. I'm excited for you to coach this team so you can keep saying all these Italian names. Yeah, <laughs> great. Beautiful. Jenny, for me, I, I want to take over this Haiti national team because despite everything that's happened off the field in their country, within their federation, I think there's so much promise with this team and these players there. You look at Melchi Duarnay, the midfielder who was just electric. They made their debut at this World Cup. They're a scrappy team. They're a young team. They know how to score goals and they're ready to rock. I completely agree with that and the fact that they deserve so much better. They deserve someone in charge that gives them the kind of respect that they deserve. And you guys, those are all great shouts. Um, Darian saying she just want to live in Costa Rica. I don't want to live there. <laughs> Darian's like, put on me though. I'm like, come visit me. All right, guys, as always, thank you so much for joining Attacking Third. We'll see you on Wednesday. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A 
Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.